Hi, everyone, and welcome to Connected Learning TV. We are back from our winter break hiatus, so this is our kickoff webinar for 2015. And this is part of a series with Mozilla's Webmaker crew titled Empowering Lifelong Learners by Teaching the Web. I'm John Barroloni, the Community Manager for the Connected Learning Alliance, and I'm going to be our moderator slash host for today. And throughout this series on Connected Learning TV, uh, we're going to be introducing you to Mozilla Webmaker and specifically why and how they're intent on teaching the web and not just using the web for learning. And if you're watching this right now, please take a moment to just share it out with your networks and let people know they can join us live. And before we get, you know, diving into that web literacy kind of 101 session for today and learning more about the philosophy behind Mozilla Webmaker. Uh, as usual, we have just a couple quick details to go over. So for those of you who are watching live right now, we welcome all your comments and questions either via the Twitter hashtag TeachTheWeb or via the Google Plus event page for this Hangout. And we'll do our best to address any and all questions that we're getting here among us in the Hangout. And we also welcome you on Google Plus to make new friends in the Webmakers Google Plus community. So before we jump in here, I'd like to give our guests a chance to briefly introduce themselves. So I'm just going to go from my left to right. So Doug, do you want to start us off there? Hi, um, I'm Doug Belshaw. I'm at DAJ Belshaw on Twitter. Um, I am web literacy lead for Mozilla, and I'm delighted that there's a couple of core contributors um, with me today um, who will introduce themselves. We have introduced, um, in, there's a very large community behind this. Uh, we're not all 30-something white guys, um, and we kind of get involved from all around the world. So yes, over to the next one. And Greg? Hi, I'm uh, Greg McVary. Um, I'm currently an assistant professor at Southern Connecticut State University. Um, but I've been working now on, with Mozilla on this project I just realized since um, I was introduced to a hack jam uh, about three years ago. Um, so it's been exciting to be one of three, not 30 white guys in this room, but it was we just got off a community call and it was great hearing from people from Argentina that were working on this and we were debating how different words translate in different kinds of languages. Um, so it's been a really eye-opening experience to connect with this many people around the world to try to teach the web. Awesome. Thanks, Greg. And Ian? Hey, everybody. My name is Ian O'Byrne. I'm an assistant professor at the University of New Haven. I've been, uh, you know, it's been a privilege to work with Mozilla uh, on the weblet map. Uh, we want to make sure that we do a, a good job figuring out what it takes to be literate in the future uh, for all people. Um, you know, and as we've talked about a little bit more, we need to be more representative and make sure that we represent uh, everyone as we develop these web literacies. Um, and I'm really, really happy that John is uh, leading us through today. Uh, we talked earlier, he knows the topography of all the really cool things that are happening online, so it's an honor to have him here with us today. Oh, you're going to make me blush, Ian. <laughs> so, I'm unable of blushing, so. <laughs> so for those out there who are either watching this live or watching this as a recording, this actually might be their first time hearing about the Mozilla Webmaker 
program, community, or the phrase web literacy, or the phrase teaching the web. So between the three of you here, could you give us a little bit of you know, background on how this concept of web literacy kind of came into being and where Mozilla WebMaker sprang out from? Uh, I can take that unless, um, Ian or Greg, you want to... You start, Doug. We'll fill in. <laughs> so, um, yeah, web literacy is an interesting concept, isn't it? Because we often talk about digital literacy, media literacy, digital media literacy, information literacy. Um, there's a lot of literacies. But I think, the, as I've written many times, the, there's a specific thing about the web. The web is the platform for kind of human flourishing connections. And the wonderful thing about the web is that it's ubiquitous. It's available everywhere. Um, and if you've got an internet connection, you've almost definitely got the web. And so it's something which I think you need particular skills and competencies and habits of mind to be able to use effectively. So the, the aim through the web literacy map, which I guess we'll get to in a moment, is to try and, and chart what those are. It's not to say that there aren't other literacies which are important around you know media literacy. There might be particular literacies needed for or I don't know, a particular institution's virtual learning environment or LMS or whatever. But what we're trying to say is that when you're using the open web, these are the skills and competencies and habits of mind that you particularly need. And given that Mozilla is a non a global nonprofit focused on keeping the web open and a platform for innovation, I think it's important that we have a sense of what those are and share those with other people and also come up with them. Um, with anybody who wants to get involved with that, the community, people like Greg and Ian and other people. I think uh, Doug nailed it. I think that there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of literacies out there. Um, most of us, you know, I've done work in new literacies, obviously, and, and digital literacy, and, you know, in multi-literacies, and, and, and I dabble in health literacy, but the, the thing is that we're trying to have a, a consortium of people and use the community to develop this identity, you know, this this competency map to figure out, okay, well, what will it take for all the little tiny tykes and all the adults and all the educators and everyone to be web literate in the future? So there's a lot of nuance in the other research fields and, and paradigms, and there's a lot of beauty in that. Um, but then also we see an opportunity to connect everything, and we see parts, you know, that are missing. You know, we have a, a large focus on open and open learning. We have a, a focus on privacy and security that a lot of the other, you know, literacy uh, paradigms are missing. So that's, you know, part of the genesis of it and where this intersects with everything else. Um, and, and Ian brought it up when we're talking about the differences. I think when we've looked at the other theoretical perspectives of, um, of the web, those are about understanding the web, um, and the web literacy map is about building a better web. Um, so, and I think we're, we don't want to just, you know, look at the web as a phenomenon, but we want to use that as a tool for empowerment um, and recognize that web literacy is a, is a basic human right. It's worth noting as well, um, Greg has currently got a, a dog whip which he's blowing. So if you hear that, it means that you've got exceptional ears um, and, and you should be very proud of that fact. If you hear that noise, it means a webmaker has earned a badge. <laughs> I think that's somebody's computer fan. It's not my little rinky-dink computer that doesn't even have enough power to um, generate heat. <laughs> well, anyway, let's just, let's just mute when we're not talking. We should, we should be fine. 
Um, so shall we shall we dive into the WebWT map itself and explain what it is and what it isn't? Um, I can I can start with this. Um, unfortunately, I'm having to use Google Chrome and screen share isn't working. But um, thankfully, I have an able assistant here in the form of Ian O'Byrne, who's going to show the WebLT map on his screen while I talk about it. So, John, hopefully that's showing to the world the, the WebLT map there. Yep, Ian, feel free to scroll down as I'm talking, um, yeah, in a kind of a, a smooth fashion. So the web literacy map is literally a collection of skills and competencies. Um, so it's text. It's here are um, big chunks, areas, competencies to pay attention to, and they're organized into strands. So they're exploring, building, and connecting. Competencies, five competencies under each one, and then skills, a different number of skills, under each one of those competencies. So when we refer to the web literacy map, that's essentially what we mean. However, as with anything in the world, if you want it to gain traction, if you want people to pay attention to it, you need to make it fit onto a PowerPoint slide. So, um, and this is absolutely true, and I'm not even joking. This was one of the design constraints um, which we used when we were doing um, this because we recognized the fact that we might not want the world to use PowerPoint and stand in front of people all the time, but that's actually what happens. So, um, Ian, if you could just, oh, you've already done it, gone to webmaker.org forward slash resources, what you'll see there is the, the competency layer of the web literacy map. So you can see the three different strands there the different competencies, and if you click through, just choose one, doesn't matter which one, um, and click through, you can see that particular skill, um, sorry, that competency page, you can see all the skills on the right-hand side there, um, you can see a description of what it is, and if you keep scrolling down, there are resources which help people be able to get better and understand what that particular competency is about. So that's a particular implementation of the web literacy map. It's not the web literacy map itself, it's a resources section built on top of it, just in the same way that other groups, and we might talk about these later, have built on top of the web literacy map and used it as the raw material from which they can um, build curricular um, activities, resources, that kind of stuff. So, um, Greg and Ian, do you want to just riff off that a bit? Um, sure. Um, I don't see the screen, but um, I think I know the, the map um, well enough. And we looked at these, um, you know, you have these hierarchical strands um, of, of the exploring, building, connecting, which is, you know, you're reading, writing, and uh, participating on, on the open web. And um, what Doug didn't mention, or he did, and I was too busy tweeting, um, was that, you know, this is currently version 1.1, and we are starting um, to revise it to versions 1.5, and one of the things we've talked about is really bringing in that focus on the um, open web and trying to grab a lot of the values of connected learning um, and the values of the open web and bringing that in through the initiative. Yeah, so I'll pick up on that. I mean, one of the things that I just want to make, you know, overt is that this is, you know, this is not something that, Doug went up on the mountaintop one day and then came down with this map of skills. You know, this has been developed over, I guess, about two years now. Um, we're on the community calls and then, you know, different initiatives and testing it. We would come together as a community and figure out, okay, what are these individual strands or what are the competencies that we want involved? Um, this is very much still working in process or progress, depending on your perspective. We are still building. This is 1.1. 
we're moving to 1.5 this year. Uh, we want to get to 2.0 at some point. For most people, that doesn't really mean anything. What it does mean is that we need your help. You know, if you see something that is not there, this is a community that we're, you, you know, we're building this together. So if we look at uh, privacy, you know, we want to know exactly what is involved in privacy. We want to know uh, what are the different ways that we can figure out how privacy affects us. Uh, we know in the post Snowden era that this is terribly important, whether we want to admit it or not. Uh, we also uh, want to find opportunities that we can use this in our classroom. Uh, we want to know opportunities that you can do something about it and be a maker. Um, and so this is an opportunity for us to think about what it truly means now and more importantly what it means in the future to be web literate. So this is something that we're continuing to build on and this is where we are at the current point. So literally just before this webinar um, there was a, a community call the first one of 2015 to scope out version 1.5 of this map. So initially the idea was to have a version 2 so to evolve the web literacy map as the web itself evolves. Um, but, but actually the feedback from the community, the people using it, etc., was that instead of trying to come up with a whole new version of it or to create a radically different one, we need to kind of gain adoption of the, the one we've currently got and not to make it too radically different. Because I guess what happens is different organizations in different um, industries to some extent work at different paces. And obviously Mozilla as a technology company works very quickly. Um, I used to work in a university which tends to work more slowly. And working fast or slow isn't a value judgment, it's just the reality of the particular type of work that organization does. So the, the decision was that we would take some time to do some consolidation while still um, making sure that the skills and competencies were fit for purpose. Um, I'm seeing a couple of questions come in. Um, most of them were about the, the stream not coming online straight away, but if you do have any questions as we're going along, do feel free to use the, the Google Plus Q&A bit. Um, there's no stupid questions, there's only stupid answers, um, as my one of my best better teachers used to say. Um, so yeah, when, I, when we say that anyone can get involved, sometimes that's used in a, oh, you know, yes, theoretically anybody could get involved, but you'd have to pass all these tests first kind of way. But literally, we've had people come along to one call and have fantastic, um, have fantastic inputs into our thinking. Some people, um, like Greg and Ian and other people, have been around for for months if not years coming along to these calls. So you're very welcome whether you're an educator, whether you're um, an industry professional, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a learner, parent, whoever you are, if you've, got an interest, if you've got an interest in web literacy then we really would invite you to come along to the community calls and help us to decide what is in scope and what's out of scope for this web literacy map which we see as kind of a, um, a map of the territory of what's going on here. I think also you know, there's, as Doug mentioned, there's multiple ways to get involved. One is sit on the, the community calls and, and hang out with us. Uh, you're more than welcome to come join us. Uh, you know, Doug puts the calls out there, and, and we will start blogging and, and giving, you know, an overview of the month, uh, you know, in the weblet calls. But then also, if you're an educator and you see things here that resonate with you, or you're in higher ed or you're in K-12 and you want to try this and you know, embed these literacies and this web lit map into your classroom, by all means do so. Reach out to us. You know, we'll gladly get in touch, give you all the support you need. If you want to have badging infrastructures and everything else that tie into the web lit map, come get in touch with us. Um, you know, we can, we can help you and support you online. We can uh, provide support from the community. 
depending on where you are, we'll come out and visit, uh, depending on what your coffee's like in the area. <laughs> Excellent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that um, Ian sticks to that. Um, just in terms of getting involved, just it's important to signpost the, the ways into Mozilla because it's quite a complex and hairy beast, even though it is completely community-focused. If you search for WebMaker List in your favorite search engine, what should come up is that first link that Ian's got there, WebMaker Info page. Not that one, Ian, the one above, WebMaker Info page. If you click on that, it doesn't look amazingly friendly, but behind that, behind that kind of scary exterior is a wonderful list of people from all around the world who are sharing um, information about web literacy. Like a lot of lists, you can decide to have a daily or weekly or um, as they come through kind of digest. Um, Ian's putting Harry Potter in there. But once you subscribe to that list, you'll get all sorts of stuff, um, including a weekly update from me, which explains how you can get involved in the calls. So that's using, you can subscribe and subscribe at any time you want to that. It's also reflected in a, in a Google group that suggests that you might want to use that one, because that's the one that remains most up-to-date. The other thing that we've got, um, just while we're in the context of, of getting involved in the ways into Mozilla, if you just go to the, um, if it's just discourse.webmakerprototypes.org, Ian, I'm sorry to put you on the spot while people are looking at your screen, but um, if you go to discourse.webmakerprototypes.org, this is the Teach the Web discussion forum. Um, again, people from around the world using a very um, user-friendly forum approach to discussing things which are important, coming up, getting reviews and stuff, that kind of, that kind of thing. And, and a particular section which you might want to pay attention to over the next few weeks and months is the club section. Um, I, I realize we're moving quite quickly here, but something which we'll talk towards the second half of this call are webmaker clubs. So this is taking the web literacy map and doing activities and sessions face-to-face using that as a starting point. And we're building our curriculum around the web literacy map based on that. If you'd like to get involved in that, then as you can see, you can click through and everything's linked with Mozilla. It's a bit of a Alice in Wonderland kind of, kind of hole that you can go down and you can find out lots of information about getting involved. If at any point you want to get involved and you get confused, please do get in touch with someone whose contact details you have. That could be any of us on Twitter. It can be me, Doug at MozillaFoundation.org, but please do just ask because we're a very friendly bunch. There we go. Okay, we have a we have a question, I believe. John? Yeah, so since we are on the topic of the web literacy map, and again, this might be kind of a, a first introduction for people, we see those three you know, categories or stages or whatever like whatever phrase you'd like to you know, call them, exploring, building, and connecting. So, Doug, when you guys were creative, uh, collaboratively creating this map, was the idea to move from exploring to building to connecting as sort of a natural path? Or can we also think of web literacy as maybe just a messy exploration or mix between the three? What's kind of an ideal pathway through that map? Interesting. We were literally just talking about this on the call beforehand. Um, so, Greg, do you want to take this one? Yeah, um, we never separate the three. I think it's the... Um, I always thought about it. It's kind of the limited affordances of, of two text, the two images. Um, or now we know it's the limited affordances of the size of a PowerPoint slide. Um, but those three strands um, 
are really interoperable and they're really united under the principles that you have to learn by doing. Um, so, you know, when when you're engaged in web literacy, you're learning by doing. You're learning through the act of production, and you're learning in a very collaborative nature. Um, that's why there's so many hooks uh, between the web literacy initiative and connected learning, um, because the, um, the uh, kind of the, the principles, the underlying values of the web literacy map um, are um, united by, you know, the principles of connected learning and the open web. So you can't just be like, oh, this is my exploring lesson, this is my building lesson. That being said, there are some times when you might want to explicitly focus in on learning a skill. Um, but if I was to say trying to figure out how to use a, um, how to add a hyperlink into HTML, Yes, that's a very concrete skill, but to do that, I might have to go post a message over on uh, discourse.webmaker.org to ask somebody. I might have to search for, you know, what does href mean in, in um, using my favorite search engine. So a lot of that gets intertwined um, and into kind of like um, pathways. I think. Um one of the things I've always learned about using technology in the classroom is that, you know, whether it's the, the ISTE standards or the new literacy research that I was involved in previously, and then most especially the web lit map here, you know, these are, are skills and competencies that should, you know, they, they should move, you should move recursively across them. You should move back and forth and figure out what best fits you and your students' needs. Um, my advice would be to think about individual student learning objectives what do you want students doing, and then focus on one of the individual areas. Um, so I would not sit down with my students in any grade level and try to accomplish all of the web lit map. I would have a unit or a theme in my classroom or have an individual make and say, okay, this week or this month we are focusing on infrastructure. We are focusing on uh, open. We're focusing on security. Um, it's a lot easier to make sure that you focus in a meaningful way. You want it to be authentic and effective in your classroom. Um, I just want to say again, for the uh, benefit of those who might have just joined us and are wondering at the remarkable lack of diversity on the call today, that um, the, the web literacy community is a, a lot more diverse than the people who are on this call today. We have in, um, invited people along. There was rather short notice, and, and they couldn't particularly join us, um, but don't be put off by the fact that um, it tends to be slightly odd-looking 30-something white guys. Um, so thank you, Sandra Marcus um, in New York for, for the comment. Um, you did mention about social inequality on your question um, and how to use digital tools to listen to marginalized voices that are frequently ignored. I think, um, again, this is something we were talking about in the call today, the difference between the web literacy map is bedrock for stuff and the actual implementations of things. Um, and, and that links to also a question from BGCA EdTech, which I think is Dave Crusoe, who's another web literacy map contributor. Um, he talks about applications that have emerged for the web literacy standard, as it used to be, web literacy map now. Um, he knows very well that um, the, the Boys and Girls Clubs of America use the web literacy map as the core of their technology strategy. And that's the kind of things that we're seeing. Um, the University of British Columbia um, mashed it up with some of Howard Rheingold's work to do some to do some introductory competency stuff for students coming into their university. 
So I think the way that the web literacy map works well is is the raw materials on which you can build stuff. Um, there, there are systemic problems with access to tools, but we've tried to be as, as neutral as possible about the way that we describe those tools such that we're not letting things get in the way. Now, I recognize the fact that when we're not putting this into a neutral landscape. It's not like we're saying, oh, hey, you know, this is going to be the same for everyone, that we're putting it into a very biased and very privileged landscape where, um, as we all know, some people have access to technology, know how to use it, have people who can show them what's going on, etc. But at the same time, we're trying to be as neutral as possible. And although this call today isn't representative of the diversity we have within the community, we do have people um, like a Ibrahim Assar, who um, is from a very small country in Africa, a teacher in France, um, like Gus Andrews, who works for um, an like internet security company, like um, Miko Konto, who's at a school in Helsinki. Um, we are un underrepresented, I would say, in Asia and Australia, um, but it's very difficult to have community calls at times which suit the entire Earth. If you have things to say about the web literacy map, if you have problems, issues, whatever, um, I'm wondering if Ian can type this while I speak. Well, let's see. Um, if you go to the, the GitHub repository, and don't be scared by this being GitHub. If you go to github.com forward slash Mozilla forward slash web literacy map, um, what you'll find there is the web literacy map in kind of code form. So it's still kind of text. What you can do there, if you turn on the right-hand side, where it says issues, if you think there's an issue to do with the web literacy map, and it's literally just in text form there that you can click through, if you think there's a problem, like, um, I don't think this works very well for whatever, or have you considered this, or whatever, you can just file a new issue in there, um, and it'll be triaged, and we'll respond to it, and we can discuss it on a community call, etc. The point of the web literacy map isn't to marginalize anybody. Um, we do have to have a particular focus on making it do something in the world, and that's, that's WebMaker, which we'll talk about in a moment. But um, the idea is that it's available for everybody to hack on. And you can always remix it. You can always create your own version of it as well if you find that it's not um, suitable for your needs. OK, I'll pause there. I mean, it's one of those things. We need more voices. You know, this is we want this web literacy map uh, to be more representative. Uh, we also recognize the fact that, you know, literacy and technology is always changing. We have, as robust as this weblit map is, there's going to be changes. Um, we have no idea what five, ten years from now that, you know, technology is going to look like, let alone what teaching and learning opportunities will exist within technology. Um, so we need to figure out, you know, we need to have more voices taking a look at this. So we want to see how can we improve on the weblit web map, have you be a part of that. We want to figure out opportunities uh, to uh, use this in the classroom. Uh, and a lot of us are interested in badges and, and a badging ecosystem and figure out how that might intersect with, uh, with this web lit map. So with that being said, there's a question about badges. Yeah, John, do you want to just introduce that one? Greg, feel free to respond. Well, I, I, just, I, I just want to reiterate, but I think that Ian and Doug are selling... Um, not selling it short, there's always room to grow in diversity, but if you follow the Teach the Web hashtag on Twitter, it is just flooded with web makers sitting around in villages across the country, I mean the country, across the world, um, building new things. 
um, and and trying out um, different webmaker tools. Uh, so do check out that hashtag because I that to me is makes it all the worthwhile when I when I'm seeing children from from across the uh, globe. I just read a great blog post about a uh, a, um, a maker party in Manila and another one in um, in Tanzania. So check out the hashtag as there's a lot of awesome things going on. Um, so we've got a researcher at the moment, um, Laura Dorena, who is in Bangladesh at the moment. I think she's previously been in different countries in Africa, um, and she's doing. She's she's out there in the field talking to people about webmaker tools, about web literacy, all that kind of stuff. And and I'll have to dig it out. But she was talking on the Teach the Web hashtag and elsewhere about how quite concerning it is when you talk to people and you say things like, you know, how do you use the web? they might look at you blankly and then you say well what do you use this smartphone for what 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 oh, I use it for Facebook like they, they understand the world outside of Facebook um, and, it, and increasingly when people like Facebook and Google are providing internet access around the world but making it so that you can access their services first and foremost like there's a there's an equity question here there's a the question of um, kind of getting access to the kind of stuff that the Western world has had access to for the last um, almost well, 20 years, I guess. Excellent reminder, Doug. And Greg, that was a, a great reminder from you too to check out the Teach the Web hashtag on Twitter because that's one of the easiest ways I've found to, one, just get a view of what people are talking about, and then two, to make personal connections with all these awesome people that, again, are around the country, around the world and have this same kind of shared purpose and mindset. And Greg, I feel like I cut you off there, so. Um, no, I was actually just moving on to the, um, you know, to the, the, I think somebody posted a question in the audience about learning to code. Um, and I'm in the process of learning to code and, and coming to the, like, honestly, I didn't know anything about CSS until September. Um, and then I was able to just work on through the help with people I've met through the Teach the Web movement, I was able to make a Creative Commons tutorial where I had pictures hovering over other pictures. It was kind of cool. I don't think anybody actually ever learns the code. We just copy and paste it and remix other people's code until suddenly you know it and you did learn it. Um, but I, I, that's where I think it's a very you know production-based process. I don't. I, I'm using code all the time. Like I, I used a Z value yesterday. I have no idea what that does. It does something. And I, I'll sit there and fool around and change it until I till it till what I'm building looks what I want. Um, so I think learning to code is more of an opportunity to connect and collaborate um, than it is through direct instruction. Um, it's 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 about finding the, your resources. You know those on-demand, just-in-time um, direct instructions. But nobody really learns how to how to how to code. You just learn how to cut and paste and and fail a little bit better each time. Yeah, I think 20% of it, as you say, is is learning the basics, and then the rest, the other 80% is is copying and pasting from Stack Overflow and other Google searches. Um, Ian, I was going to ask you, what was I going to ask you just then? Oh, there's a question um, which John's put into the into the chat there, um, which I I think you'd probably explain better than I, um, which is, to what like what's the relationship between learning to code as a movement and the web literacy map. Does one sit inside the other? Are they complementary? How does that work? I think um, 
Yeah, I was going to pick up on that. I think that there's an opportunity. One of the things we've been looking for as, as evidenced by this call is we'd like to, you know, collaborate and connect a lot of these different initiatives. You know, there's a lot of theories and practices and principles that are involved um, in uh, in the web lit map, and you know, I think the web lit map provides an opportunity to, at the LRA, at the Literacy Research Conference, you said, um, you know, we like to provide a tent to to cover everything. So I'd see learning learning to code and those initiatives as, you know, tying into a lot of what we have with the web lit map. At the same vein, in the same vein, you know, we've talked about, you know, reaching out to other organizations like EFF and uh, Creative Commons and, and figuring out, okay, how can we take what you are doing, you know, with Creative Commons, how can we take what you're doing with EFF or with privacy or security or learning to code, how can we take these different initiatives and figure out what are the, the web literacy elements, those competencies that tie into that. Um, what we're trying to do is, uh, the way we're trying to address it on our end is we've been developing pathways. We've been looking at specific competencies on the web lit map, figuring out what pathways lead into those, um, and then from those pathways and those web literacies, our dream is to create badges that would align with the pathways and align with the web literacy uh, competencies. Um, and the, the dream would be to take those and reach out to the learning to code community, reach out to, you know, EFF or Creative Commons or whoever the case may be and figure out, okay, we want to promote these specific competencies, these literacies, these strands. Um, can you help us? You're already doing great work. We want to tie our literacies and our skills and our competencies to what you're currently doing. You see, this is where it gets, and again, this is something we literally just discussed on the call previous to this. Things get not complicated, but like conflated and put together really quickly. So, um, you know, we're talking badges, curriculum, um, endorsement, partnership, learning pathways, curriculum, you know, like the web to map itself, representations of it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what I find really valuable, having worked as a teacher in schools, I have kids who are what, like four and eight, um, having worked in universities and now in informal kind of situations in Mozilla, the web literacy map really nicely ties everything together in a, in a lot of ways like um, kind of the connected learning approach kind of ties everything together as well. The web literacy map allows kind of anybody to say, well, this is kind of the stuff that I already know how to do and this is the stuff that I want to work on next. Um, did we show that learning pathways thing that Laura Hilliger put together? No. Ian, could you just bring that up now if you share your screen? Because I think that's worth talking through. This was literally a prototype that my very talented colleague, um, Laura Hilliger, put together. Um, so I blogged about it and remixed it slightly. But if you click through onto that, um, what you'll see is, and John, if you could show this on the, on the screen, um, what you'll see is all the different skills in the web literacy map, and this is just a prototype, um, if you click on one of them, then it'll, it'll light up other ones, as in things that you, you can choose, things that you already should know or things that you should do next. So it's less of a prescriptive learning pathway, more of a suggestion of like an, almost like an Amazon recommendation system. Oh, people who enjoyed this book also enjoyed these books, like a suggestion of where you might want to pay, put your attention next. Um, 
All of this stuff also suggests badges. Williams just very rightly pointed out that the Robert in the in the question and has has asked. <clears throat> um, thank you very much. So if you go to blog.webmaker.org forward slash badges, you'll see all of the Webmaker badges are currently available. It's worth putting the caveat in here that these change in 2015 and that you can very much get them now, but we'll be adding to these and, and changing them around a bit. So you've become a super mentor, mentor, event host, um, you can share skills. There's different criteria for these badges. If you just click on Web Literacy Skillshare, for example, Ian, that'd be helpful. Um, so this takes you through to the page which describes what you have to do. Um, Ian is already, um, I think, believe a mentor or a super mentor, so can issue this badge. Um, like it says on the right-hand side there, but if you if you go to the WebMaker website, then um, you can apply for this badge. You can apply to get this badge because you shared some skills with people. So that's the type of thing that we want people to do. If you just go back to the whole list of badges now, Ian, um, if you scroll down, what you'll see is that we initially came up with one badge for each competency. So there's a badge there for search, for security, credibility, etc. And you can show those badges on your WebMaker profile. As I said, this is all changing in 2004. 15, but these badges won't be going away, and it, the things that you can show to have the like bona fides of, of um, things that you've done, you can push these to the Mozilla uh, badge backpack as well. Although, again, that will be changing in 2015. So this one, uh, we decide to focus these on making um, everything to do with the web literacy map is not about head knowledge, but about being able to do stuff. If you scroll down to the badge requirements, what you can see. Um, is that if you do one or more of those particular things taken from the web literacy map, um, you can apply for and be issued that particular badge. So these are ways in which we can incentivize people to want to be able to um, improve their skills in a particular area. And the next thing you want to do is put these into, into learning pathways. Suggest learning pathways. They can be prescriptive, like you have to do this to get a particular badge, or then be descriptive as well. Um, this is what someone has done before that you might like to do. So that's what we're doing with badges, but um, that's from my kind of point of view of producing them. I'm sure Greg and Ian have a, a different point of view from kind of earning them as well. I think I'll chime in here. I think the important part about badges, at least to me, is it presents an opportunity. You know, I, I view badges as an identity marker. You know, not only just accomplishment and you know, you know, recognition in an ecosystem, but also identity marker. Um, I think it's important to, you know, if you look at these web literacy competencies and you say, well, I don't really fully understand what these mean, and then you go over to, you know, the individual badges and you figure out, okay, well, here's the different badges I can earn. I think it's important for educators and students to, you know, go down within individual badges and see people that earn the badges and see what they earn the badges for and then possibly, that's the beauty of badges, you can reach out to that person and get support. So then you can join community calls, you can reach out on Twitter on the Teach the Web hashtag, you can see badges that individuals earn and figure out, okay, how do I raise my skill set? How do I level up? And I earn those badges as well, and how can I become a mentor you know, and a maker within this community? So to me, that's the, the, the beauty of badges um, within the ecosystem. I think that, you know, it, speaking from a K-12 or higher ed learning experience, we already have our, our, you know, our diplomas, we have our degrees, we have our grades, 
we still have, you know, if you've done the badge research, we still have opportunities to recognize, authentically recognize accomplishments outside of the traditional uh, certifications and recognitions. Um, and I think the uh, the badges help because it, it, it makes us realize that you know this is a competency base. That there's a skill that the kids have to kids or participants have to make or remix something that really you know just demonstrates that competency. And that's where I think we are really trying to push that we need to build a better web through the idea of um, creating and remixing versus just consuming. Kids, to, um, people today, I mean. Yes, they can spread media, but they're not great at making spreadable media, and they definitely can't build the tools that allow us to spread uh, spreadable media. Um, so I think we're trying, you know, we, we always talk about that paradigm of moving from um, cons from consumers, curators, to, to creators, um, but there's kind of, you build up your social capital as you curate and create uh, material. And I think um, badges is just one method to really, you know, talk about that, that mm -hmm. social criteria. But I think the, the major reason that we focus in on um, the idea that this is a production-centered um, and a, a learning by doing, not, a, a, not a just a head knowledge approach, is it is um, the idea that you really have to... Um, make. It's, it's a production-centered learning. It's, it gets back to those connected learning values. I want to pick up on one thing that Greg just said, and it's and I'm glad that the question came up and we have a chance to step back a little bit. You know, we have to think about what are our motives and, and what is the, the motivation and the, the ideology or the you know, what are the ontological implications of what we're talking about here. Uh, a student asked me about this in class the other night when we are talking about the Walk My World project that we're starting up. It's, you know, as Greg mentioned, I think my goal is to move students. Realistically, I think all of us need to move, but I want to move my students and their, you know, K through 12 students from being just consumers of online content and consumers of content to uh, curators of content. So start to look online and make sense of what the world has to offer us. Uh, so that all of you that use Pinterest and Learnist, um, you are an expert in you know, uh, it, ontological references, or you're an expert in fine Italian handbags, it doesn't matter. You have an opportunity to share your expertise. But then move to constructors or creators. So we need to all move as, as a community from consuming content to curating content to constructing and creating. I want my students to be able to read and write the web. You know, Doug earlier talked about uh, his, his kids you know, I want my son and ultimately my daughter to be able to go online and pretty much instantaneously read and write the truth that is out there. Um, you know, this is an opportunity for us to build a better web. And part of that is we do want to take a step back and look at not only reading, but create and remix truth or remix text online. Doug? No, I'd agree with everything that um, um, you've just said there, Ian, and, and Greg as well. I just wanted to, there's a couple of things. Firstly, John asked me a question, or asked us a question earlier, which I don't think we necessarily answered directly. And there's also a question which I'm seeing come up from um, Jerica about the beginning process of starting to figure out the focus of the competencies. So I want to take those two together um, just briefly. Firstly, 
yes, we, there are three strands, exploring, building, and connecting. Um, and people often ask whether you know you move left to right, left to right without way on your screen, sorry. Um, and that isn't, that's certainly not our intention, but if you look at it and you think about you know, how, as an educator, I would start people from zero, then I might actually do that. I might actually start with the exploring and then go to building and then connecting. There's no reason why you can't do these at the same time. Having said that, it's also likely if you've got teams, you know, not in every context, but in some contexts, you might want to start with connecting and then move back through you know, remixing stuff back to kind of credibility and search. So I think it very much depends on context. There might be a, <clears throat> a usual way of doing it, but it means the, the right or correct way of doing it. And just in terms of how we came up with this, we literally just kind of try to talk to as many people as possible about what are the things that you need to pay attention to when you want to get better at reading, writing, and participating on the web. Massive list, like some of them overlap, some of them still do overlap a little bit. And then we try to put them into buckets, I guess, and then give those buckets a name, and those are getting read. And then when we got them into buckets, you'll see if you look at the history of the web, which map, the building strand used to be longer, um, there used to be different ways of doing things, but version 1.1, it currently stands like this. Um, so what we've got is a, is a fairly coherent way of conceptualizing this particular landscape. That's not to say it's the only way of doing it, but we did try and get as many different voices with as many different things just thrown against the wall before we tried to codify what was going on. Um, and we definitely would like your input in terms of terminology, in terms of you know, overlap, in terms of things that might be missed out. We would love, love, love your input for that. So a little hard to believe, well, maybe not so hard to believe because this tends to happen a lot on this particular webinar series, but we are about 10 minutes out from the top of our hour, and as I say, time flies when you're having fun. And I wanted to try and move a little bit into maybe a looking at the future way to wrap up this conversation or future casting or fortune telling, whatever you'd like to call it. But I'm reminded um, when we're coming up on this topic, there was a 2012 piece um, written by Mark Sermon from Mozilla and Kathy Davidson from uh, Haystack. And it was talking about how do we move this you know, movement of web literacy or pursuing web literacy forward. And one of the things that they suggested was maybe an alliance between higher education and the technology industry because of just the way education's built, whatever higher education says is good, it kind of trickles down to K-12. So I was wondering, between the three of you and your past work with you know, the web literacy movement and community, how do you see this community moving forward in terms of making web literacy more you know, widely popular? Is it through just the grassroots work you guys have been doing? Are there particular you know, alliances that you think would be really, really beneficial? I mean, what would move the needle the most, do you think? I, I think I'll jump on that one first. I think that it's um, a number of things. Uh, one is definitely, you know, all of us exist within different silos. So as some as an academic and as a researcher and you know I think that we all come from our different perspectives and we hold and we clutch on to those perspectives um, I think part of the challenge is that we're also in between two models so 
you know, we have uh, in education, we're very uh, hesitant to trust free, open, collaborative, you know, initiatives online. You know, we have a fear that it's not really credible and relevant and real for what should happen in our classroom. Um, so I think that, that the first part is we need to break out of these silos. We need to have the, the connections and, you know, that's one thing that we've talked about on the calls. That's why we had Doug come out to the Literacy Research Association conference. Um, that's why, um, you know, in other work that I'm doing, I've reached out to John and said, hey, can we bring connected learning into what's happening over here? I think it's creating those connections and those bonds. Um, I think another thing that we have to do is we need to, the work that we are doing with the, the, the web lit map, and also we saw this in badges, in badges the kids say, um, you know, we need to, to consider, you know, who is our audience? To me, the big thing is speak to the, the quote-unquote normal people out there, the people that would not be doing this, because those are the important people that we need to, to address and bring into this. Um, the people that would just, you know, say, you know what, I'm a little hesitant or scared about online privacy now, and I want to be more secure, what should I do? Um, you know, we need to make materials that speak to those people uh, and provide opportunities for them to join in and, and, and get involved. Um, and I, I think the, the last piece is something that Greg's going to talk about is provide opportunities to, for people to get involved and make stuff. Uh, Greg, you want to talk about the, the clubs? Um, sure. One of the, um, as kind of a teaser for the next coming up webinars over the month, um, it's a big push in 2015 will be on webmaker clubs. And these are kind of your local nodes that are taking the, um, the webmaker, I'm sorry, web literacy map and developing that into a curriculum that can then be used in little local clubs. Doug already referred to the Boys and Girls Club using this curriculum, but these are clubs that are going to shoot up um, in different cities around the uh, country. I'm actually starting one at a library in, here in New Haven, reaching out to in Hartford, Connecticut to start a, a webmaker club. And anyone can get involved and learn how to host a webmaker club. Um, and they're basically just fun hack sessions where you're, where you're hoping that the kids come out with some awesome makes and that these makes um, will embed a lot of the uh, skills and competencies that we see in the web literacy map. Um, so you're going to learn a lot more about uh, webmaker clubs moving forward. It's, a, it's an ongoing, you know, unfolding design. But really it's about empowering students who often don't have the um, access and bringing equity into um, the environment um, of, of realizing that we want to get this in the hands of everybody globally. And this isn't just this isn't just a school space. A lot of this learning happens outside of schools. Um, and we need to recognize that these webmaker clubs, for the most part, are often, you know, just a librarian in a different country or um, somebody that's just passionate about the open web. And they just grab a bunch of people and start a, a, a maker event. And that maker event turns into a club. And boom, you have a webmaker club. Um, if I got any of that wrong, please or pop in and, and you know feel free to change that, Ian or um, Doug. No, no, no. Um, I think that's absolutely right. We're testing at the moment um, with selected community members who we've reached out to. You know, people who have done previous work, but anybody can get involved in this. Um, it's worth saying that we're co-designing the curriculum with um, people who have expressed an interest, and anybody can do that, even if you've got no prior history with Mozilla. Um, 
and we are we're actually remixing some of the curriculum that people like Mouse, who have aligned with the Web Literacy Map before in New York, have created resources around. Um, and just finally, and this might seem a bit kind of schmaltzy, but the reason I joined Mozilla was because I couldn't really see anyone else who would be in a position to do the stuff on like open badges and the web literacy work that would be trusted. Because if you'd go with um, a for-profit company, they're all often not very trusted about like, oh, how are you going to make money off this? And then if you go with a, a, a non-profit in a particular one, like one country, you think, well, how are you going to do this on a global scale? So one of the reasons I work for Mozilla, and I'm a fundamental believer, and if I ever left Mozilla as a staff member, I'd still be a contributor, is because I think we, we should actually have some leverage and do some good work in the world, and anyone can join in. So please do see this as an invitation, if you haven't already, to do join our work, pay attention to it, um, and get involved to make the world and the web a better place. Well, I think that is an absolutely perfect note to end on. So we are out of time for this particular conversation, but that doesn't mean that our conversation just has to stop. I mean, obviously, we've been talking about a lot of open ways and ongoing ways to connect with each other. So we're chatting throughout the month and onward using the hashtag TeachTheWeb. And you can probably also chat with us using the hashtag WebLiteracy as well. And we're going to have a full video recording of this webinar immediately available on www.connectedlearning.tv with other curated content along the way. Any of the resources that we saw or that we mentioned during this webinar, we'll make sure that's included on the archive there. And that's going to be especially helpful for you to share with your networks if they weren't able to join us live today. And hopefully, like we mentioned at the top of the hour, you're also going to go and make new friends within the WebMaker Google Plus community. So again, if you found this conversation helpful, please, please, please share it out with your networks. Encourage them to get involved, one, in this particular series, and then two, with the ever-growing WebMaker community. And if you'd like to learn more about the upcoming webinars that we kind of teased out a little bit in this conversation for Connected Learning TV, sign up for the email newsletter, again, at www.connectedlearning.tv. So again, Doug, Greg, Ian, thanks so much for your time, your energy, your insights, and I'm sure we'll all see you online later. Thank you, Joe.